where I went to high school, there was barely a music program at all. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I stuck strong and I still practiced my violin mm-hmm. and went to my rehearsals for the Pittsburgh tough. Youth Symphony. Yeah, I was yeah. tough, like in tough keeping friends in high school that way because no, literally nobody in my school played a classical instrument. Mm-hmm. Hello and welcome to Start the Beat with Sykes. My name is Sykes and this is my podcast. Before we get started, I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank everyone who checked out the last episode. If you're one of the people who listened to that conversation, I hope you enjoyed it. And thanks so much for coming back. But for those of you out there who are new to the show, welcome. Please feel free to make yourselves at home. And as always, there's beer and soda in the fridge. Before we get into my guests today, I just want to urge everybody out there to take an extra second. And if you enjoy the show and what I'm doing, or if you're friends with these two nice people sitting next to me, share this thing on the internet. Because if it doesn't get shared, it gets buried with you know, whatever Sarah had for lunch and John's yoga photos and all that other stuff. So, you know, we're trying to put a little bit of extra positivity in the internet and we can't do it without you. So please share this. If you think it's cool, if you don't think it's cool, fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So with all that being said, sorry for the uh, little outburst there. I'm sitting there today with two friends that I just met downstairs five minutes ago, Julia and Nicole of Radiant Strings. Make some noise for the internet. Everybody's really happy that you're here. We're happy that you're here. Hello, everyone. (laughs) So... For anybody out there that doesn't know what Radiant Strings is, who wants to take the the plugging approach on this and you know <laughs> throw their uh, throw their opinions out there? Um, so Radiant Strings is a string quartet group um, trying to get involved with other music projects and just bring positivity and musical excellence out there. Um, we just it's a group of friends and we just try to have a lot of fun when we work together. Um, yeah, and just play different projects, classical music, like rock, rap, all different stuff. We're just trying to show classical music is cool and mm-hmm. classical musicians are fun. And we're yeah. versatile. And we're versatile, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, totally. I think if any, any, I think that, you know, whether people realize it or not, a lot of rock music and hip hop, I think even some elements of pop have really utilized classical music, mm, definitely. Uh, you know, through, you know, sampling or other things a lot of rock bands have played with symphonies and things like that and it's Mm -hmm. all badass there's a whole uh there's a whole demographic of uh european heavy metal that's super symphonic that's really intense and Mm -hmm. you know scary (laughs) but it's also pretty cool from like a a symphonic standpoint i imagine i don't know how aware of some of that stuff you are but with all of that being said you are young people doing Mm -hmm. classical music and you met and now you're doing this thing. Mm-hmm. How did you, well, I guess we'll start with you, Nicole. Like, mm-hmm. What was your start in the classical music background? Um, I have actually two musical parents that went to Carnegie Mellon for classical performance, violin and trumpet. Um, so I just kind of grew up around it. And um, I cried at violin lessons that my mom used to teach. And she thought it was because I didn't like it, but it's because I wanted to play violin. <laughs> okay. Um, so I started playing when I was three and I've just kind of always loved it. Um, and passion and mission kind of changed from being classical violinist to no, I don't want to play anymore to now. Like I just want to have it always in my life. So mm-hmm. this is like a really good outlet and it's a good project and we're having a lot of fun with it. So what yeah. about you, Julia? It is a lot of fun. Um, I started when I was four years old, I started playing violin. We we're both violinists. Um, my father was actually a huge influence in my life. He played guitar and bass in a bunch of bands growing up. Um, but his, true love and music is classical music. So he always played that on the radio and in the car. And one day, I think I was three years old. I just said, Hey dad, 
I want to play violin. And he just skirted the car and we went, <laughs> went and rented my first um, like little half size violin. Um, I did. I took some time off. Mm-hmm. And like Nicole said, like now I just don't want to be without it. It's kind of like a it's an outlet, definitely an emotional outlet. And um, Nicole and I are two like best friends. And it's just really cool to be able to make music and, um, you know, service our community and bring people together in that way. That's awesome. And I imagine now, obviously, you know, with just the world in general, pop culture and things like that. Music is such a big part of it, but not necessarily classical music, but Mm -hmm. the two of you are so involved in classical music, but you're also human beings living in the world outside of classical music. So I imagine, you know, just the pop culture elements of music are probably a big part of your lives as well. So like juggling those two things, I can see how a project like this would come together because, Mm -hmm. you know, it's one thing when you're hanging out with all of your friends, I imagine that maybe aren't musicians that are just Mm -hmm. into whatever music is, you know, cool. Yeah. And then versus like, you know, you probably like some of that stuff too, but you also have this, this trained background. So it probably mm-hmm. gives you, you this interesting, like yin and yang approach to the world of music and what is possible. And yeah. maybe it even like helps you understand like music in a different way too. Mm-hmm. So with what you're doing now in terms of, I know that, um, Nicole, you had mentioned you were doing something about like starting a a YouTube channel about Mm -hmm. like, you know, creating conversations about, you know, musicians in Pittsburgh about uh, classical music and things like that. Mm -hmm. What has that been like? Have you started that yet? Yeah, we have a couple of videos up actually. Um, So we kind of have it doing multiple different paths, like kind of like help to music teachers who maybe need some help, like getting students started. Um, also like clients, like brides, we're trying to speak to them mm-hmm. and people who would hire us, like oh, things okay. to think about if you're going to hire a string quartet, stuff like that. Um, so we are, that's like, it's pretty new. It's only like had yeah. a couple videos up. So we're getting that project like really started, I think in the next couple of mm-hmm. weeks. And another angle we're taking is to aim, aim it at other young musicians mm-hmm. who are entering like the gigging world and performing, um, you know, just rehearsal etiquette, and how to be maintain a professional disposition in those situations because it goes a lot deeper than people might think. Mm-hmm. You know, just show up to rehearsal and play. It takes a lot more, you know, mental preparation. You have to have enough energy. And so we're talking about like also how to balance. We both have nine to five jobs. So balancing practicing and being prepared mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. showing up and doing yeah. what we're expected to do. So <laughs> we're gonna make more videos on stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Freelance is really tricky in mm-hmm. terms of, you know, I mean, I guess no matter what you're doing, I imagine it's really complicated, but when you're doing music and I've talked about this a lot, so I apologize to people that watch the show, but this is a little bit of a different angle. Um, you know, when you're doing music and you're, it's such a, an isolated experience learning and learning that craft. I mean, like you play with other people, but it's not like always the most social thing. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to getting into freelance, you all of a sudden have to be this very extroverted person that's super confident and mm-hmm. know your worth and know how to talk to people. And it's like, oh shit, you know, I just spent, yeah. I spent the past decade learning how to play violin. And right. now <laughs> I feel like an amateur at just learning how to promote myself. I'm really good at what I do, but mm-hmm. I suck at talking to people. Right. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. like bits of the music business that I learned just growing up, seeing my parents do it. So I feel like I've been able to help like Julia and like bring our quartet into like more confidence, like just like putting our names out there and like being able to do some of the networking and stuff. And mm-hmm. I think Julia is like doing it now too. She's like picking up on it and doing really good. And <laughs> yeah. so it's like, that's like something that has to be learned, but we just also are trying to say that if you're 
like really excited and happy, like people are going to want to talk to you and work with you. So have a good attitude, you mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. and like classical music, classical musicians are fun. Mm-hmm. Like we're not like, <laughs> yeah, we're not we don't just like stuffy only, and think yeah, we're better than yeah, everybody. Like we're fun yes. people. So trying to like bring a new angle a little yeah. bit about that. So yeah, that's a new project though. YouTube is new to us. <laughs> I feel that, you yeah. know, there's like a really interesting, uh, a really interesting thing that seems to be happening with, you know, what you're doing. And I imagine other people across the globe that are in a similar position that are just like younger people that are into these traditional forms of music and getting people to, uh, understand that it's still relevant Mm -hmm. and maybe even like finding people that like still want to continue to teach this stuff, which I imagine, like, I don't know, like, do you find people that you work with that are teachers? Are they older? Are there younger people that are teaching this stuff? Like, I don't, it's just like a conversation that whenever you would hit me up and you were telling me a little bit about your background, I was Mm -hmm. like, I've been talking with people for years in the city and you're the first person that has ever hit me up with like the background that you have. And it's so interesting. So I really appreciate you (laughs) reaching out to come on and talk because this is super cool. But I'm also like at a bit of a loss for words because it's a world that I'm just so disconnected from. Like, I don't know anything Mm -hmm. about it, but I'm really intrigued by it. Yeah. Yeah. It's part of our goal is to make it more wide, widely known than we do a lot of things (laughs) other than just sit and play. And And um, I think that too, like, I guess the other thing too is like, even when you are, you know, playing like where you like your gig is probably different than like my friends that are in a rock band's gig, you yeah. know, like mm-hmm. they're just different environments. Like you're not playing bar gigs. No, yeah. <laughs> but like sometimes <laughs> we do. Tight. Sometimes we yeah, do. Sometimes tight. we do. Yeah. yeah. But like, we still have to prepare like the same way and like all the, like freelancing, it's like, we should all be on the same team kind of. So I think that people kind of put classical musicians in like a different box. Cause it's like, well, you went to music school and you're only studying like Beethoven, like Brahms, like all this stuff, but it's like, no, but we still have to prepare the same way. And we still have the desire to get out there and like work with other people. So I think like mm-hmm. collaboration is like a really thing, important thing that classical musicians should try to think of. Whoops. That's okay. Think <laughs> of more yeah. coming up in like the near future. So we want to do that, like collaborate with friends and like, working with you, like meeting you and doing stuff like yeah. that, like totally different than we would the thing think. That I, the thing that I find really interesting and if I'm wrong in any way, <laughs> please jump in and correct me. But I imagine like the curriculum when studying classical music, it's like, it hasn't changed in how long, like you're probably learning a lot of the same stuff that people, you know, eight decades ago were learning, right? Maybe even yeah. longer. It's like, how do you, is there like a lot of, let me think of how I want to phrase this question. People that you've worked with, teachers that you've had, what do they do to like introduce, if they do anything at all to introduce newer music into the curriculum? Are they able to like, do you like listen to new music and like maybe like, like this is how, you know, classical music influenced Led Zeppelin or something mm-hmm. like that. Do they do anything like oh, that? Oh yeah, there was a lot of that. Okay, um, cool. We both went to Duquesne um, and a lot of my music professors did that. Um, even one of them, Dr. Naj, um, hi, Dr. Naj, <laughs> if you ever see this, um, <laughs> he actually composes like more modern, um, more modern pieces. And he would actually come in and play what he was working on and explain to us how, what we're learning in the class, what, how he uses it um, to compose. And then a few of my other like music history classes, we would talk about how like the Beatles really used um, like counterpoint and and <laughs> yeah. more intricate forms of composing sure and then, um you know some of my other professors would play more modern and pop songs and we would have to analyze like you know the the bass line mm-hmm. and the harmonies and 
some people are better at it than others. And so, I mean, yeah, it was really interesting how they would, how they would do that. Yeah. I feel like in order to keep people of a, a current generation interested, you need to like find some way, like a, a point for them to like relate to, mm-hmm. you know, and unless it's like, it's, I feel like that's a much better thing than being like, well, let's analyze some John Williams scores or something <laughs> right. like that, which I'm sure that's part of it too. Yeah. I imagine. Uh, and I think it's really cool that teachers do that, but mm-hmm. you know, it definitely requires a different part of your brain. I think unless you have a genuine interest to understand how like music that wasn't performed on classical instruments still relates because like songwriting and composition, regardless of the instrument, there's mm-hmm. a lot of the same mm-hmm. techniques to it. And like understanding that really gives you a deeper appreciation and understanding of music, yeah. even to like understand something as like simple as like, Oh, you know, whatever, like how was the beat on this new Ariana Grande song put together? <laughs> like there could be some cool stuff in there. Yeah. A lot of yeah. people just assume that it's all like, Oh, like somebody pushed a button on a computer and it happened. It's like, no, there's people in a room that are mm-hmm. actually like composing mm-hmm. a lot of this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of like technique that goes into even like arranging what could seem like the most simple pop song. Sometimes that's the hardest stuff to write. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. really, really tricky. Yeah. And then there are definitely like some classics and standards you have to learn and like, learning how to play like the violin, for example, definitely is like old and <laughs> like that's has not changed, but it's yeah. depends on, I think the teacher to really bring in like modern and like cool, like ideas and stuff. So that's like what I try to do with some of my students. And that's like what I want to do more is show like modern influences. Mm-hmm. And really, I think that's important to keeping everybody interested, like you said. So yeah, <laughs> it depends so on the teacher. When, where, where, where do we want to go here? Do we want to talk more about like, the creativity side of things or the marketing side of things. Cause we could go either way here and I'm curious. I don't know. I don't know yeah. what I'm interested in. So maybe <laughs> like, what are you interested in chatting about? Um, I don't really know. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's a good balance of both for us at the moment. I mean, mm-hmm. Nicole is great at marketing and I kind of follow in her footsteps. And, <laughs> yeah. I went um, to school for marketing. Actually. Yeah. She went to so, school for okay. marketing. Yeah. So I've been using all the stuff that I learned at, in college and what I'm doing in my current job now, trying to like actually use it on our Instagram, our YouTube, our Facebook mm-hmm. and say like, okay, this stuff is actually kind of working. Like my textbooks yeah. weren't lying to me this whole time. Um, so we, there's definitely an equal, equal balance. And I think that in traditional music schools, like conservatories, they don't teach you about selling yourself for marketing at all. They only teach you about like learn, like woodshed this rep and then get out there and then people, well, that's like, now what? Yeah. I feel like that's the problem with school in general. There's <laughs> never that focus on uh, like how to apply your skills after you've learned everything. It's just yeah. like, well, we'll, we'll teach you how to, you know, either play this composition or mm-hmm. we'll teach you good, you know, graphic design techniques or, you know, you can be the most like literary knowledgeable person in the world, but there's just that nuance of like actually how to talk to people mm-hmm. or understanding how taxes work or like, yes. if, you're in, like <laughs> if you're in like a, yeah, like taxes is a big thing or if you're in a music thing, understanding like publishing and all that mm-hmm. stuff, if you're going to be getting into releasing music, mm-hmm. it just mm-hmm. blows my mind that people don't teach you those things. No, it's well, yeah. weird. And understanding the power of social media, especially now, nowadays, mm-hmm. Uh, we've reached so many people. How, what was our growth when we first started? Our we got Instagram? like, like 115 followers on Instagram in like 24 hours, just because we just followed friends and then friends followed us Yeah, yeah. like, or friends of friends followed. Um, yeah. so like, that's something that I think a lot of musicians don't, or like classical musicians, they don't utilize cause they're just like, well, I should get this based just purely on my skill. And that's true. But if nobody knows who you are, 
it doesn't matter. Like it's, it's kind of important to have this like more modern mentality with classical music. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's the thing that really irks me about social media is just (laughs) how you have to be like always like say like social media is like a concert of sorts and you have to kind of like push your way through the crowd to get to the front. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like I'm never that type of person. I'm always like, I'm comfy just sitting in the back and watching this from back here. Mm -hmm. But you, you don't get the best experience. And that's yeah. kind of how social media is. You really right. got to kind of not necessarily bully your way, but you have to be very <laughs> persistent about getting up front. So people yeah. see your stuff. Yeah. So for business purposes, like for our radiant strings, like it's definitely useful. And I really think that that's a good technique, but like personal social media, I don't do any of that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, really? often, I often feel like I'm bugging people like my followers when I keep sharing like, Oh, make sure you go follow radiant strings, yeah. follow radiant strings, you uh-huh. know, email us if yeah. you have a wedding coming up, you know, but that's just, that's just like kind of like, I guess I have done. to do it and how do you get, how you get started like early networking and yeah. dropping off business cards and just mm-hmm. making the best impression on all the gigs that we do have. Um, because people are loyal. Like they'll call you back if you did a good job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they'll recommend you for something else if you did a good job. So definitely. Yeah. So you've done some, like what is like your typical gig like? Is it weddings? Is it private events? I mean, you mentioned like, do you do like just random shows? Like how does it work with what you're doing? I would say typically we do weddings. Like that's like So it's 90%. usually like we're mm-hmm. getting, you're getting hired for something. Yes. Yeah. That's like 90% of what we do. Yeah. Um, and pretty much, you know, we coordinate and get an idea of what they want, like the couple. And then we show up and we we just execute it to the best of our abilities. And usually that works. <laughs> 99% of the time it works. Um, mm-hmm. And then um, that's it. Like kind of, you know, wash our hands of it. Great. Thank you for having us. Um, but then yeah. we do have friends that have ongoing bands and projects that sometimes write stuff for strings. And they're like, hey, do you want to come and be on, on this project? So we do s- kind of cool things like that. Um, yeah, that's always fun. The recording sessions. Mm-hmm. Um, we recently played for the tree of life commemoration. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, what was that? Like a service a and that memorial was service memorial type. service. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that was different that was broadcasted. So that was pretty different for us. Yeah. We'd never done especially anything like with that us before. being so new mm-hmm. <laughs> as yeah. a group. Yeah. So I think that was like a, that was like the newest gig style and type that we'd ever done before, but doing more things that are more high profile, something like that would be really good to reach a great, greater audience. Mm-hmm. Um, but typically it's just like weddings, church services, Christmas is coming. So we'll do a lot of Christmas stuff. (laughs) I love, yeah, I love the Christmas concerts. I, there are people that hate playing sleigh ride 18 times in the month, but I love that. (laughs) So thrives on sleigh ride. It's my favorite song. (laughs) So I'm getting ready for that. I'm very excited, but yeah, Yeah. that's typically like what we do. When it comes to, um, like original compositions, is that anything that the two of you experiment with do you write anything no (laughs) writing (laughs) writing is not for us but we have some friends who are really really talented arrangers yes so we've been helping like them do arranging by saying hi we have somebody that wants this song so then they work with us and they do a lot of testing out things on us Mm -hmm. but we're like i'm fine with being a guinea pig for a composition but i can't put that together no (laughs) i can't do so many compositions at school such high anxiety. It's, yeah. You, I feel like for me, it's like you either it's can really do it or you don't. Yeah. So, so in really school, hard. they would like have you make compositions as part of like assignments. Really Compos- basic yeah, composition like, okay. class. Com- there is a composition mm-hmm. class. I didn't have to take that. Um, but in one of my music theory classes, we were studying something called counterpoint where there's, there is a set of real specific rules. Like this note can't go down a certain interval from the other note. 
And if it's <laughs> if you move a note in one wrong direction, the whole it sounds thing horrible. Is bad. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So they had them do like tests, like little bits, like what a couple measures, and you a had to measures, do it in yeah. this counterpoint style. <laughs> But I think that was just to make sure you knew the rules. Right. <laughs> that wasn't yeah. for pure creativity of I'm going to create this beautiful piece. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's not really what we do. But we happily welcome original compositions and arrangers who want to test stuff out because they need somebody to play their music. So we're happy to do that. It's so <laughs> interesting because like for me and in my background that I come from, you know, it's like I do a lot of um, composing in terms of like the hip hop stuff that I do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's so interesting because like, I don't have a very musical background. Like it's like, it's, but like, I feel like I can put together a song, like a motherfucker, like really. Yeah. really <laughs> and that's it's, great. It's that's interesting amazing. because like, then I'll talk with people that are like, that are schooled and like, you know, classically trained. And it's like, it's much different. It's like their approach is a lot different. You know, mm -hmm. it's like they could play the shit out of something, yeah. but in terms of like coming up with something, it's like a different part of the brain. Mm -hmm. And Definitely, it's like, whenever yeah. you find someone that has both of those things, it's like, whoa, watch out. Like that's yeah. a crazy person. Yeah, it's it's so far, house. it's so far and few between. I feel like most of the people that I meet are, it's like either one or the other. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I don't know how that happens or why, but, I just, yeah, no, composition is not for me. No. <laughs> and I give, I, give, either. I give people who like do like, like make beats and like write songs, like so much credit. Cause it's just like, I don't, where did that come from? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. So I think that sometimes it maybe comes from uh, like maybe my lack of schooling allows my brain to work in ways where I don't automatically tell myself something's wrong because I'm, like, I'm not following yeah. a rule. You know, True. it's like the rules in my head. I may, I guess I have rules that I've built over the years, but they're different. You, like, they're not up. like, yeah, they're <laughs> not rules. They're set in place by, you know, like a textbook standard definition of a rule. Mm -hmm. And I imagine mm -hmm. that could be like a really big creative block for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just, you know, like, Oh, this isn't how something is supposed to be done. Yeah. Right. But and that's not always the case. I mean, it's probably true for most of the time, but yeah. Yeah. But you see that in like history, like all different composers, like all the big ones were never popular in their day. Like they were like shamed, unpopular, like no one liked them. And now it's like, there's such an influence on everything else. So that I feel like that always happens. Like mm -hmm. the thing, the people that break out, are never rewarded <laughs> until many years after they're yeah. gone. Yeah. That's unfortunately how it goes. Yeah. So <laughs> let's throw this out there. So let's say with all of your knowledge of, you know, the greats, do you think that there's anybody whose style of composition relates the most with like a more modern style of music versus other composers? Oh, hmm. Are you referring to like a modern style of music, like pop or rap or like, I would say like in the past, in the past, in the past, like, like what's is a century, a hundred years, a century yeah. Yeah, in the past century. Okay. Cause classical music goes back way more than yeah. that. So we'll just say like, you know, <laughs> yeah. I mean in all like modern movie and video game scores, like even if it's like electronic music, like they all draw, like they draw on composers like what, like Mahler and Holst and like other composers like that who just wrote really big, crazy stuff. You can hear that in like video game scores, especially now mm -hmm. video game composition is like a whole thing. That's pretty new, but they pull on influences like that, like from other composers that wrote really big stuff, but definitely like 1900s is more common for modern influences, but I don't know. That's, that's a, a good question. It's <laughs> a really good question. Can like, I do some I, research on that one? I yeah. feel like I feel like I'm I'm curious, like, because obviously in the pop culture, 
you know, classical music, it's kind of been like deflected to video games, movies, Mm -hmm. television. And I wonder if like that wasn't a thing, like how relevant would, would they, would there still be like, you know, if it wasn't for like John Williams or Danny Elfman, would yeah. we still have like kids learning how to play this stuff or not? I don't, I don't know. know. Cause I feel like that's what's know. really like kept it yeah. alive. Yeah. And as that's, far as I know. Yeah. yeah I, I would a hundred percent agree. And that's like why orchestras that and, do that. Know, the nutcracker every year. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's like why orchestras always play that stuff though. Like Christmas is such a popular time because all the music they play, people want to hear it. Yeah. And Pittsburgh Symphony like sells out those Star Wars concerts like I've never seen before. (laughs) We just played an all Disney um, program with the Butler County Symphony together. Yeah. And that was almost sold out because it was just little kids were in their in their costumes. And I'm I'm sure a few of them were like, well, maybe I should play an instrument so that they can play Disney music one day, too. Mm. So that's not bad that that is the influence. But there's like we got to find a way to like bring everything into like yeah. the spectrum for everybody to see. So there's not just like a narrow yeah. view of it. Definitely not. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's an interesting problem of the world. So <laughs> my question for, I guess the both of you then would be, you mentioned earlier that, you know, you both very, very young had this desire to play violin mm-hmm. and this was just a desire to play an instrument or was it like because of a, a classical influence? I mean, you're pretty young, so I don't know if it's like, oh man, like this, this Danny Elfman track's really getting me right <laughs> yeah. now. I want to, you know, I don't know if you can like, I feel like you, both of you played it, started playing at such a young age. And I imagine it was just like, not necessarily because you were like a fan of something. I don't know if like what you're a fan of when you're that young, besides yeah. like, you know, Disney or something like that. Uh, well, like know. I said before, my dad listened to classical music all oh, the yeah, time. That's right, so that's I just right. equated classical music to like how much I love my dad and how yeah, much he okay. loves it too. So like I just looked up to him so much and wanted to play yeah, that makes music sense. just like he did. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, he grew up, he played the cello, um, guitar, bass. He still plays all the time. That's awesome. Um, Mm-hmm. And so he just took me to the symphonies and exposed me to that, that kind of realm of music. And mm-hmm. I mean, I feel really lucky to have had that. Um, and yeah. that's what inspired me the most. Yeah. Both parents, like I said, they were both musicians. Yeah. So it's just like, I didn't have a fan. Like I didn't have an influence outside of my family. Cause that's just what it is. Like, that's just simply like music is just like working freelance parents. That's like what it is. So I didn't like develop my own sense of musical style or who I liked or what I liked to look up to probably until like middle school Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. when I started to be like listening to composers or like listening to songs or like rap music, hip hop, like everything else. And then I started to develop my own musical sense, but everything before that was just like, I'm just going to follow in what my mom's doing because she plays violin and I want to play violin. Yeah. Like, so it was pretty, I think it was like pretty childish, like blind until I got old enough to say I can play violin. Cool. Next. Now, what else do I like about music? Yeah. But I don't know if it's the same for everybody else, but I think when you start at a really young age that. Yeah. I was, I was yeah. going to say, I think that the thing that's really impressive is starting at a young age and then like actually sticking with it to be sitting mm-hmm. here now and yeah. still doing it because it's, I guess it's supposedly not that I mean, lots of kids pick up lots of different weird hobbies when they're young and then they don't stick through it. Cause I mean, like, I think it's really hard to get through that. You mentioned middle school, that like middle school to junior high, high school to still be doing this stuff with Mm -hmm. all of the, we'll just call them social distractions of being a teenager. (laughs) It's it's crazy to be able to still, you know, focus on that craft and have it be a part of your life. But I think both of you having 
you know, musical families is probably a mm -hmm. huge help versus, you know, maybe somebody that doesn't have that in yeah. their life all the time. It might be easier for them to get distracted or turned away from it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I also relied a lot on um, musical programs like in school. So like I went to Kappa high school in middle school, but I wasn't, I was exposed to other kids from other school districts that were also good and also liked classical music in eighth grade. It's like a Pennsylvania music educators, like little orchestra thing. It was like a whole day. It was like a crash course. And I, in eighth grade, I was like, eh, like violin is whatever. Like, I don't really want to play as much. I want to practice. But then when I met these other kids, I was like, there's other people like me. It's not just me. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that like using, taking advantage of like the programs that are in place in schools is really helpful too. Like you don't yeah. realize how important that would be until I look back on it now, like 10 years ago, I was like, wow, like if I didn't, if I hadn't gone to that, I might not have wanted to go to Kappa high school. Yeah. I keep hearing like horror stories about like music <laughs> programs being taken away from schools. Yeah, is that really like bad. a thing that's really happening? Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. It's horrible. Yeah. Where I went to high school, there was barely a music program at all. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was tough when I had friends who were, you know, playing sports and in the musical and, you know, I stuck strong and I still practiced my violin mm -hmm. and went to my rehearsals um, for it the Pittsburgh tough. Youth Symphony. Yeah, it was yeah. tough, like in tough keeping friends in high school that way because no, literally nobody in my school played a classical instrument mm -hmm. um, to the degree that we were. Yeah. I don't know, but you don't have to, like, even like kids at Kappa high school right now, it's like, you don't have to study music or your craft, like your major, like your arts or literary arts, whatever, to still have it be like a really positive thing that you like to do. Mm -hmm. So like there were three, there were, I think four kids from my graduating high school class that went to school for music. And only myself is a working musician out of all of us. Everybody else like quit, changed their degree path, but they still really like it. So it's like, just because you're not going to be a professional violinist in and when you're learning in third grade, doesn't mean you don't have to not like music. And I think mm -hmm. that's the problem. Like the music programs, I think are leaving first or arts programs are leaving first. Cause it's like, there's no tangible evidence. This kid's going to use that skill yeah. later. And right? I think that that's like really overlooking like a more nuanced importance of something like yeah. music or art in terms of just like learning, like, you know, I learned how to like love myself because yeah. of yeah. being able to develop a craft or mm -hmm. I learned how to communicate with people and make friends through mm -hmm. doing art yeah. that yeah. I wouldn't have been able to make, you know, I wouldn't have been able to obtain the social skills that I have right. if it weren't, wasn't for that because yeah. like I'm a weirdo. Right. And some people are weirdos, <laughs> you know, like, you know, for me, it's like football didn't resonate with me. No, you know, right. other things. It's just like, that's what I gravitated towards. So mm -hmm. it's just like, it's, and that's not a unique perspective to have. There's no. literally millions of people yeah. that are like us and to <laughs> yeah. be like depriving all of those future right. generations of that just because it's like, Oh, well they can't make a career doing this. It's like, mm -hmm. they're not going to make a career doing algebra either. Literally. Right. <laughs> like, did yeah. shit. like I, I literally don't use algebra. Like there career. needs to be, <laughs> a place for those kids to learn how to mm -hmm. like understand that they're able to do something. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, it definitely shapes a young kid, especially learning how to um, like have patience with yourself and learning something new, um, being have creative, confidence. Have, have confidence, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, get over that kind of performance anxiety yeah. and being in front of people. Yeah. Just learn um, that you're not alone. Yeah. I think it breaks down boundaries too. Like, it doesn't matter like where, what background or what language you sit, you speak. Like if you sit down, like, cause you want to see this orchestra perform or you want to listen to this new CD or because you both are playing like recorder at this like school <laughs> field trip. It doesn't matter what school you went to. You guys can still be kind of friends that day. And yeah. I think it's like important socially. Like, <laughs> no, 100%. I really think it is like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's a bummer, but and it, it's, it's awesome that there are places like 
Kappa, mm-hmm. but like, you know, th- we're like that, an isolated that, experience. It's such a, it's such a, I mean, that sort of stuff only happens in like the big metropolitan areas. Yeah. And that's even just one small school that not just anybody can go to, mm-hmm. you know? So, you know, we have issues where like, you know, my, I'm okay. I don't want to get into like personal stuff, but I know somebody that has a younger relative that's going through a lot of stuff in school right now, mm-hmm. a little kid. And he's super cool. I've met him. And I think that, you know, he's going, he's, they're in the middle of, you know, nowhere, you know, they're like an hour and a half away from here. And it's mm-hmm. just like that school that they have, that's the, that's the school you're going to. That's the there only is, option. There is yeah. no alternative option like mm-hmm. a Kappa or anything else. And it's like, I feel like if he was in an environment where like he was around other young creative kids and he was able to have mm-hmm. a healthier out, it would be, be, a, be yeah. a healthier environment for him to be in. And now yeah. it's like, he's surrounded by, you know, like just, average average kids or some really bad kids, kids and there's yeah. no way there's nowhere for him to like get yeah. you know his creative energy out and yeah. it's just it's not a good place for him and oh, it really sucks shame. but yeah. that's the thing that, that makes it really yeah because you know i think those rural areas that's the average that's most of america is rural areas that's mm-hmm. not all i mean when you live in a city like pittsburgh or wherever like it's real easy to forget that because mm-hmm. there's so much going on but this is such a small blip in terms of yeah the, the country like pennsylvania like yeah. the entire middle of the yeah. city <laughs> yeah. like, what uh-huh. is that yeah yeah and there's yeah. a lot of kids there that probably have a lot of creativity and there's nowhere for them you know mm-hmm. if those, i'm sure those are the schools that are like you know well you know we need the school needs money to thrive and the music program isn't doing it so. yeah. yeah 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 and it's like a bummer because i feel like that's where the mentality that like classical music and fine art are like fancy and like like they think they're on a different playing yeah. field but it's like anybody can enjoy playing piano anybody can enjoy listening to any type of song it doesn't have to, it doesn't mean you're better or worse than somebody else mm-hmm. and i think that's like the like the stereotype about classical music that it's too like you're you think you're better than me so i'm not gonna do it or appreciate it mm-hmm. there's people that don't even live that far away but like they live like up in the north hills like where my uncle lives and they're like, wow, like I could never imagine driving into the city to go see a musical. And I was like, why? <laughs> yeah, I know. You live oh, yeah. 30 minutes away. You have to cross a bridge. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what yeah. do you mean you'd never do that? Yeah, they're, they're like, oh, they're... it's not my, fr- no, I'm not fancy enough. It's like, ugh, yeah. whatever. Yeah. What? I know, I know. <laughs> Meanwhile, most of the people that I meet that are in, you know, the, anybody that's in like a classical world or anybody that just does anything creative in general, they're usually not just fancy. happy to talk to anybody. Yeah. Like they just want to talk and yeah, have fun. No, they're not fancy at all. No, no. If anything, no. it's like, if anything, it's like the people like, like you're talking about, they're like project, like they are the person that they think everybody else is going to be like, yeah. Oh, you know, this, they're making all of these assumptions, assuming that other mm-hmm. people are going to make assumptions about them, but it's right. not the case. Yeah, It's like, not at all. What? Yeah. No, like just no, calm like, down. Come on over. Like, come like, to the city. Like, let's, <laughs> let's go. go. Like, yeah. So that's like, I think the biggest boundary that has to change and it would take all young musicians in our position to help change that. But mm-hmm. that's we're one small step for <laughs> music kind. <It's, laughs> what? It, it, <laughs> it takes a lot of, uh, I don't know. Sometimes people just don't want to admit that they're wrong about something. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, a lot of people will go the rest of their lives being wrong about something as long as they don't have to admit to themselves that they're yeah, wrong they're about wrong, it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whether it is, you know, something very, very dramatic and a big problem or something as small as not wanting to drive to the big city yeah. because <laughs> of the horrors of the parking garage yeah. and having to, you know, oh, like, 
I don't understand these traffic lights. Yeah. Like, what? you know, come on guys, you could do it. Like, yeah. Yeah. But if, so if, it's, if, if they it's don't, weird. if they don't want to do it, they don't want to do it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's true. It's a bummer. You can't, you can't put your energy into that. No. So that's why we're just doing whatever we want to do. Whoever partakes, partakes and <laughs> we're having fun. Like oh, yeah. we have a great time. Like every gig we have fun, all the stuff we're doing together. Cause it's just, we're hanging out with friends. Yeah. Like we get dinner, we call it like business dinners and it's, we just like <laughs> talk and hang out. Like we just, we want to have fun while we do this mm-hmm. and bringing musical excellence and positivity is our benefits and advancing our careers are benefits, yeah, but friends, friends are having fun is like focus. I think that that's something that a lot of people overlook, um, mm-hmm. especially on my side of things that get caught up in all this playing and bands and doing all this stuff. Like you forget the reason why you started doing this was because you, it was fun yeah, and you love doing this. And mm-hmm. then you get caught up in the business. You get caught up in promoting, you get caught up in playing shows and mm-hmm. the money stuff. And yeah, I mean, the politics that's obviously stuff it. that you want to take that stuff seriously. Yeah. But once it stops being fun for like an extended period of time, because every once in a while it's going to be not yeah. fun temporarily. That's just mm-hmm. part of life. Yeah. yeah. But if it gets to a point where it's just never fun at all, then you're really missing the point. Yeah. And like you really mm-hmm. shouldn't be doing it with mm-hmm. radiant strings. You mentioned playing gigs mm-hmm. and all of this stuff and you're having a good time. You're hanging out mm-hmm. with friends. <laughs> you're getting food and stuff like that. <laughs> Let's talk about the important stuff. Where is Radiant Strings' favorite place to eat? Ramen bar and Squirrel oh, yeah. Hill. Ramen bar. <laughs> <laughs> Quick <Heck> answer. Yes. <laughs> or Mad Max. Or Mad Max. That's a that's an OG the, spot. The big ass margaritas. I haven't been. I haven't <laughs> been in Ramen Bar. Um, maybe I'll check that out sometime. I actually used to live in Squirrel Hill. That's where I grew up too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. It's just like the coziest food, and you can just sit there and, and you can either hash out like whatever is going on in the day, you mm-hmm. can hash out something like hash out nothing. Cause you're eating ramen. Like uh-huh. it's a, it's just also good food. Yeah. But yeah. They know us there by now. <laughs> they, they do. They, That's fun. The dude just like walks up and he's like, <laughs> absolutely. Especially when we come in with our violence, yeah. he knows like, this is it. They need their seat. <laughs> like, so I imagine, do you rehearse as a group pretty frequently? Or is it just like for you, if you have a gig coming up, you'll get together. For weddings, wedding music is pretty typical for us to play. So we know that repertoire pretty well. So we can basically just go read it. For, or like meet for half an hour. Yeah. In advance, just talk like a, stuff. Yeah. Just talk about like the order and repeats and cuts and it's things so like that. It's so interesting how controlled that is versus like the rock and roll world. Yeah. yeah. I could never like do any rock band show sometimes. <laughs> like if, if I don't have like a predetermined idea or like I get a little stressed out. Cause it's like, what am I supposed to do? What yeah. am I supposed to play? You know, it's funny. It's, it's crazy. So, I, <laughs> my, In my world, I can actually connect these dots because with, um, so I play in two bands. I have mm-hmm. a heavy metal band that is very like, <sighs> yeah. And then, uh, the hip hop stuff that I do with the hip hop stuff that I do, it's actually pretty controlled mm-hmm. because we don't have a live drummer. So everybody has oh. to play to like a, a, cl- a, a, a track a, they play to yeah. a track and our track <clears throat> is also synced with like video and light visuals. Oh, okay. So oh. we have all of that. So like we have to have like our sets are like predetermined. Like mm-hmm. there's no, there's no tempo change. You can't, there's no jamming like everything. This is the set. And like, uh-huh. and I know that like, I mean, everybody's cool now, but at the time when I was like getting the band together, cause I have musicians that play with me too mm-hmm. and getting everybody locked in and being like, okay, like there is no improvising. Like it's always going to be like this. I feel like for like at, at times working with different people that I've worked with, it's like, what? Like, what? Yeah. cause I'm like <laughs> pulling people from a rock world into this world. And then obviously it's 
working with computers is not necessarily the same as like, oh, mm-hmm. well, this is sheet music. But also in a way, it's like, well, you have your tempo and mm-hmm. your key and everything set and it is what it is. Yeah. You know, people hired you to play this song that yeah. sounds like this and they want it to mm-hmm. sound like this, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. There's no. Yeah. <laughs> Well, without having a conductor, it's that element of being kind of like chamber musicians. Well, we are chamber musicians yep. having to follow each other. So having that like friendship too. Oh yeah. Locking helps in. us. Yeah. yeah Cause you and, have to the interpretation of the sheet mm-hmm. music. Cause well, we don't, we don't we, have a click track or a conductor mm-hmm. to follow. We could do anything we want and it could be like, wait, what? That was really the song. That was really John legend. Like, are you serious? <laughs> or it could be like, this is, we're going to make it exactly like how it sounds on the CD to make the bride happy. Mm-hmm. So it just really depends on like what's going to happen that day. But yeah, we try to work, we're working towards a recital project where we're going to play some classical, like a big classical quartet and play some other songs. And we will have to rehearse for yeah. that because working on like um, a multi-movement piece, the four of us, it is going to take like collaboration, knowing your music and mm-hmm. getting comfortable with playing it with no conductor and nothing yeah. guiding us. I would, so <laughs> I would love to have you two talk with, um, my uh two guitar players in my metal band oh. just about like, <laughs> i would love that about, be great. Like, <laughs> the way that like because like they both have that thing too where like they've been playing together for so long they that they just, just they just have that mm-hmm. understanding of feel for each other mm-hmm. it, it's like um and evan the one guitar player he talks about this a lot like he was talking about when he saw metallica play live recently about the connection that uh the guitar player and the drummer have and how oh, like, they yeah. just get like all, like, like there's like the way they change their feelings with playing like the slow parts a little slower and just like that, like having that flexibility that you have in rock music to like push mm-hmm. it that extra half mm-hmm. measure. And it gives it that, whoa, that extra like yeah. intensity yeah. and like how they're so locked into being able to do that. Mm-hmm. That's it's super cool. You can feel the exactly. same energy in a string quartet. You really can. Yeah. Like it's kind of the same thing. Like we, we have been playing together for a really long time. Yeah. And our cellist and I went to middle school together. We've been playing together for a long time. And our violist is a really good friend now too. Mm-hmm. So we can tell, like we can like read each other's like facial expressions <laughs> or like we can like feel everything out. And sometimes it, like we can push the piece and it sounds really great. And like it, it's the same type of thing. It's just, we're not plugged into amps and we don't have like lasers. So we don't seem as cool and exciting. Right, exactly. <laughs> like, maybe not yet. Maybe not, not yet. yet. Yeah. So, actually, I have a question regarding conductors. Uh-huh. So I would say, you know, that's maybe the one thing that, you know, I've never worked with a conductor. I've never spoke with a conductor. I've never talked with anybody that has worked with a conductor about working with a conductor. <laughs> there are some conductors that are just like very, flamboyant and like crazy and like yeah how crucial is the craziness like what do conductors do i have a very vague understanding of how important their role is but like is it necessary to be so like ah this is all about me and sometimes you see things where like oh this orchestra conducted by so and so and it's like does that really matter like how important of a role does the conductor play well, I was just going to say that the, the extra stuff, that's all fluff. Basically, they're there to keep us together and cue different in in the event that somebody loses their place. You can look up and find where in the measure you are um, according to their beat. But the extra like. So they're just like a silent drummer around. almost. Basically, they pretty much. Yeah. Also, like if in a symphony orchestra, if there's like 90 people on stage, like how how are we all supposed to, you know, get faster or slower or have like a unified thing. So he's there for that. Sorry. I've never thought about this before. Sorry. I'm getting really excited. 
how, so I think <laughs> so whenever I'm playing a show and it's just me and four other people on mm-hmm. stage, if I can't hear what everybody's doing, like if it's not monitored properly, it could mm-hmm. be really complicated. Yeah. I never like thought screwed. about sitting down with 90 other people and like you got your whole bass section on the other side <laughs> yeah. of the room. If you can't hear them or know what's going yeah. on, how mm-hmm. do you know where you are? Exactly. That's the crazy. Con- the, the conductor is like the- My brain just went- <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, okay. he's, They're like the air traffic controllers. Like, <laughs> okay. do we need them? Yeah. 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 Yeah, we, we do need them. Need them. Totally. And, okay. Yeah. That makes so- I never thought about that yeah. being in that situation because- not only are you in a room where like, you know, the majority of the amplification is just coming from the instruments themselves. Yeah. It's a lot of loud stuff. Yeah. There's so a lot. Like, so there's sound delay, like, there's sound from, delay echo and it's, yeah. or like bad, bad acoustic rooms or like stages that are ill laid out. where like, it's like, why are you sitting over there? Like that would never happen before. Like you get used to hearing certain instruments regularly. So in, in instances like that, like the conductor, when we play outside for like 4th of July, it's like, we can't hear anything. Sometimes we can't even hear ourselves. Yeah. So you need somebody to be like, this is beat one, two, three, four. And this is the end of the song. And you just hope for the best. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And as far as it being like a different composer, as opposed to another guy, like you said, why would it be a big deal? Um, it's all like interpretation and, um, how quickly or slowly they take certain pieces. Um, so they, they make the decision or else you'd have 90 opinionated instru- instrumentalists being like, no, it goes better this way for me. And okay. it's like, yeah. so they, they're like, this is the law and we're going to do it this way. Sure. So yeah. they're important. Like but, a curator of sorts or a yes. DJ. Yeah. <laughs> a classical yes. DJ. Yeah. Basically. DJ and MC like for the concerts, okay. silent drummer is a really good way to put it. Okay. Yeah. That's seriously what it is. Like, yeah. They That's do really add, good. they do add like, well, I an could element see that. I mean, there's even like, mm-hmm. even like thinking about how like some rock drummers are like, you have some rock drummers that are very like, okay, I'm in the beat. And you no get those deal. guys are like, twirling sticks and going <laughs> yeah, all crazy. crazy. It's like, well, I guess that's fun to watch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sometimes they do a little <laughs> exactly. extra for the show, yeah. you know, cause people do want to come see something that's fun. Uh-huh. So right. Yeah. If we can't headbang, like somebody has to do it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I just, it's funny because like, you know, I'll be like downtown and like, I'm like, by Heinz Hall and like you see like there's a the, I don't know the guy's name Manfred Honig there, that one, yeah. <laughs> and it's always like you know like they're always pushing this dude there's like big pictures of him uh-huh. outside the building and I'm like how important is that guy yeah I don't yeah. know enough but I guess it makes yeah. sense he's, he's just like a, a he's really nice man for yeah. sure he's nice but also like the um conductors can sometimes they kind of have to take on a role of like a politician type not really, but like they're the voice of the orchestra. So mm-hmm. when people come to see it, they're the ones that are saying, thanks for coming. They have to be the ones that people like want to clap for because they don't know sure. 90 so, musicians. So they're like the representation. Yes. So I guess if, it's, if you find somebody good, they push them. Like well, even going you know, back to, you know, talking about like John Williams and Star Wars, like a George Lucas of sorts, you know mm-hmm. I mean? It's obvious that he didn't do everything in Star Wars, but right. he was like a, a big part of curating that vision and getting it out Mm -hmm. there. They're like the queen or the king, like the face of, and then everybody behind the scenes is helping them and doing their part. But they're the ones that have to stand up on the stage and say, thank you for coming to see your Butler County Symphony Orchestra, your Pittsburgh Symphony Orchestra. Mm -hmm. And people clap for them because they're talking. So they're important. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. The face of the orchestra. The face of the orchestra. Yeah. Yeah. That just, the thought just came to me yesterday because the conductor at Johnstown was doing all this like shtick with like some other dude. And I was just thinking to myself, like, man, did he really think he was going to be doing this when he was in conducting school? Probably not, but he's, yeah. he was so great at it. And like the audience was eating it up. Like they love oh, him. Yeah. Larry Lowe, how he dresses, he dresses up costume. And he, it's like, and they just like really works, that works the crowd. Yeah. For so, us. <laughs> for us. Yeah. So I can sit there and be like, 
No, <laughs> so I can sit there and chill. So when you're when you're playing with other people, obviously you're like, you know, have you played in a situation where you're playing with like, you know, 80, 90 other mm -hmm. people? Mm -hmm. Obviously you don't, you can't build that relationship with all of those other people. So, you know, whenever you're sitting down and you're just performing with them, is it really just like, you definitely just are relying on the conductor to, like relying on the conductor and your knowledge of the piece prior right. to like, mm -hmm. can you just sit down with that many people and play something you've never played before if you have a good conductor? Well, that circles back to being prepared and knowing the piece mm -hmm. that you're playing um, and like knowing the mood of the piece. That's the like style. individual responsibility of each player and mm -hmm. singer and vocalist who, whoever is a mm -hmm. part of the ensemble. Um, but with a conductor, I mean, it, you can get through the piece, but you're not, you might not be making. They would never music. have you guys show up for a symphony orchestra with no rehearsal to perform. Like that would be yeah. really tough. But also you have to rely like on your, your section. So like if there's eight violinists that are playing the same part, like we develop, like we speak as one section, it's not eight individual people. So you mm -hmm. kind of like, you know, follow the leader and, and be prepared, like she said, and, and rely on the conductor, but also the communication between the section leaders and the conductor yeah. is important. And blending together. And, yeah. Being so in the same part of the bow. Yeah. At the same time. That's, that's another yeah. thing I've been curious <laughs> about because obviously like I see like at the, uh, like the PSO does it a lot in other places. You mentioned you did the Disney event. They're always doing like, here's star Wars, here's mm -hmm. Harry Potter. Here's, you know, the, the, the music of, you know, some Zelda video game, <laughs> yeah. Pokemon, all that yeah. stuff. Like, yeah. How much time are they putting into like rehearsing all of these things? Those are, those are considered pops shows. Yeah. So there's, that's an abbreviated rehearsals time because they feel like probably like you should probably know how this goes. Like it's mm -hmm. star Wars. If you don't know how it goes, what rock have you been living under type? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. They don't really, don't really rehearse pop yeah. stuff too much, but it, it makes it harder because the music is just as hard. It requires just as much work well, and that's, as yeah. a symphony does. So it's like, I feel like you're like really like fighting a thing because, okay. So not only are you like playing something that maybe like you're a little under rehearsed on, or you don't know that well, but the people that are coming to that they event, love they it. know they that never... stuff. Oh my God. Like, you yeah. know, it's not <laughs> yeah. going to be a thing where like you can kind of like, oh, well, if we don't get this just right, it's like, no, you better get that Pokemon thing right. <laughs> Especially, or these people are going to be mad. Right. Yeah. Especially when they play with videos, like all the, uh, the movie okay. ones with the videos. It's like, if they're literally playing the exact score, like the laser beams have to match up with this exact thing that exact happens in the percussion. Time. So the conductor has like clicks and he can see like this thing on the screen. And sometimes Matthew Kramer at Butler, he'll freak out. He'll be like, we have to get like, you can't drag. Like we're going to be messed up. We're going to miss this part of the video. Like yeah. it adds a whole other element of like strict, like kind of like how you're like when you said you play with computers, like for your yeah. hip hop band, it's like, you have to follow exactly what's going on. Cause the technology oh, yeah. isn't going to stop for you. <laughs> like, or else you'll have Simba's music coming over <laughs> Mary Poppins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like chaos. Will yeah. ensue If you don't follow the track or follow the video. So like all the pop stuff that happens, it's really fun. Cause you get to play it and it's really cool, but nostalgia, but it's mm -hmm. tough to match the video and match what have you these done any LA of those events? Have either of you done mm -hmm. any of those events? Mm -hmm. Yeah. We played a whole star Wars alien space themed <laughs> concerts. We played music like from alien, from star Wars or from all that. And it's super that was fun. Really cool. It was like really cool, but also it was like chaos kind of because we had Darth to Vader match was it. In the, the, Darth Vader was in, in the, the audience, lobby. like in the lobby. He was huge. He's very scary. <laughs> we got a picture. It's great, but <laughs> like, it's really fun. But like you have to like fulfill the expectation that the LA studio musicians did who are like top of their game, right. like perfect recording technique. So it's definitely different 
than just playing a Beethoven symphony that, you know, Joe Schmo might not really know what that sounds mm-hmm. like, but he still kind of thought it was nice, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely a different, but both, all it's, it's all really fun. I love playing the pops music. Me too. Pops music is have, fun. If, we, <laughs> if you mentioned that you did before, I apologize, but have either of you worked in a studio environment? With recording? Yes. Yeah, we've done like some recording studio stuff, some smaller scale. I've never done an orchestra recording before. Like no, with a whole s- we've done like string quartet stuff, like our quartets made some videos yeah. and we've done some recording stuff. We did that one stuff. jazzy kind of album. Oh yeah. That, yeah. I don't know. I don't yeah. remember when that was. That was like in college sometime. But yeah, so we've done stuff like that, which has been it's really cool. That's like a different game. Mm-hmm. You have to be like on top of your game. Cause you don't want to be the one that's like we have to do that again. That was yeah, out of tune. Slightly it's like, out of tune. And I know me. <laughs> and if you're, if you're like in a studio, yeah, you get, you get a lot more time to uh, analyze all of those things. And maybe you're wearing headphones and yeah. things like that. And you, uh, it's always fun, <laughs> like going into the studio with the band because you, uh, you go into the studio ready to record an album or some songs, whatever. And you think, you know, the stuff and then everybody gets there and starts playing and like, you're hearing it isolated all nice. And you're like, wait, You've been what? doing that for the past four months. That's not what I'm doing at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Or it'll be funny. Like the producers will like come on and be like, can we do that one more time? Like we got a weird, like that was the weird feedback. Like, what was that? And it was like, oh, that was me coughing. Like <laughs> Julia, you hit the mic again. Yeah. Julia, you hit the mic again. Can we get an adjustment on that? Oh, like yeah. don't hit the mic because. There's, yeah. There's, I mean, like it's one thing, you know, like, you know, recording drums can be, uh, recording drums is very tricky Yeah. because, you know, you're just, a very acoustic thing with microphones that are set that they are, they want to pick up every little noise because that's the point you're trying to get the drum sound. Mm -hmm. Uh, I can't imagine how like delicate of a process recording and just micing a violin properly (laughs) and playing it. You probably have to like hold it a little bit more carefully and like, Mm -hmm. because like you're not trying to like, bump a microphone or adjust something, but that probably now I'm just thinking in my head, like, fuck that probably affects the way that like you may be used to playing. If you play maybe a little bit more loose and you can't be as free flowing. So now you're this. playing, I'm hitting the microphone yeah, so, now. Me, yeah, so, now always like, me. <laughs> so now like you're playing all stiff and like you're like the playing the part feels differently. Yeah. yeah. The first couple, like yeah. yeah, the first yeah. couple takes are always are a little bit tight. And then like recently when we did like that video recording at this like studio and, Rankin, I think we, I was like, hold on, like team break. Like, let's do that again. Like we yeah. need another run through. Cause I was like really rough. <laughs> well, yeah. But cause yeah. then when you know you're being recorded, it's like, Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, there's that, that yeah. mental thing. Yeah. Too. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, violin mics, they're like, they're really tiny. Like honestly, like this big, this okay. big <laughs> and they like clip on, it's called the bridge. It's like the wood part that holds the strings up and it, it, it's right where the vibrations of the instrument happen. So also anything, like if you like just yeah, touch you the just strings, it, yeah, like yeah, yeah. if you breathe really loudly when you play, like uh-huh. you'll hear the Can breath. Hear it. It's crazy. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah but my panic. Yeah. You can hear it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My palpitations. <laughs> yeah. You can hear all of that, which is pretty, it's crazy. Whenever you're, um, like recording the stuff with the the quartet, are you like all playing at once and recording together and not doing like isolated tracks and putting it together? We've never um, done that before, right? All together, I remember with um Dan. Oh yeah, he's done he's done isolated tracks before, but I prefer playing all together. Yeah, me too. Because it helps keep everything in context. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's like the interesting thing about like recording with a rock band, unless like you have like a studio that's really decked out and equipped to do it. It's almost impossible to do it because you get all this bleed over mm-hmm. because you're dealing with a lot of loud stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you have like <clears throat> loud guitar amps in the same room with the drums, 
Everybody's all, every, all those drum mics are picking up all the guitars and the guitar mics are picking up the drums. And it's just like, you get all this weird, like, yeah. Like, when you start like getting into like mixing and adjusting the frequencies and doing stuff, it's like you adjust the frequency on the guitar thing, but it picked up the snare. So now the snare's super loud for no reason because like, <laughs> where's it coming from? Oh, it's the guitar mic. This guitar mic. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> All that like nerdy science stuff mixing. Yeah. yeah. Also good on all those people who do that, like, man, I, know, sound I can barely well. plug a microphone into the wall. You know, <laughs> I don't know what I just, you tell me what to play and I'll do it. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, we had a class like that in high school at CAF and we had to like do like a mix board and we did my version of the recording and it sounded like trash. And I, my teacher was like, well, it's because you had like the bass mic mic'd as highest. That's why you, that's all you could hear. And I was like, Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> what the settings in your car don't <laughs> yeah the settings in my car yeah don't translate the same way yeah yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah my car vibrates <laughs> yeah so those people are super awesome and and getting us to sound awesome yeah like when we sound really good it's like not me that was you guys thank you <laughs> yeah yeah the sound engineers do play a really big part in mm -hmm. uh the execution of a performance. And I imagine like, obviously you don't always, I mean in a live environment for sure, but a lot of the stuff that you get to do, I imagine you're not always in a situation where you have a sound engineer, mm -hmm. maybe like, you know, what happens if you get hired to do a wedding and like, you know, the venue space for where you're playing is just like an echo chamber or it's just a nightmare and it doesn't sound good. And then, you know, yeah. you have clients that aren't happy. I'm sure that's something you've had to deal with. What do you do in that situation? Are you able to like vet, venue space beforehand and say like, Hey, like, I know you want us to play, but maybe you might want to consider putting us in this part because of the sound, that sort of stuff. Um, that's when like meeting a half hour, 15 minutes in advance to do a kind of like a sound check, um, helps, benefits yeah. us. Uh, but a lot of the places we, we are frequent, like we repeat. Oh, uh, okay. So, so yeah. like, you know, also, you know, the spaces. Yeah. And also churches, churches and like halls like that. It's kind of like, it's either going to be really acoustic or it's going to be really dry, but those are two event, uh, like acoustical, acoustical, whatever, <laughs> whatever. Those are two moods that we're used to playing in. So we can adjust, um, things that are, I've never been to a wedding venue or, uh, played a, a gig where we had to be mic'd for something. However, I do know that that happens. And that requires way more prep in advance. Mm -hmm. And then a sound engineer shows up and he just like, he would probably take over, like hook everybody up and be like, okay, don't move because you don't yeah. have time to I adjust. Am. Yeah. yeah. So I can't imagine happened, like where you would need to play to be mic'd unless like, you know, there's like this weird thing where it's like, a, yeah. oh, we're having this wedding and it's at this beautiful lake and you're going to play on this like island in the middle of the lake. <laughs> yeah. And everyone, you know, so like I you're all the way off in the distance <laughs> and we can't hear you, but we could see you. <laughs> Honestly, I I would have a rowboat written into our contract. Like I they'd wish. have to get us to the island, uh -huh. stay on the island. Coast Guard have to be there. <laughs> I don't want to drown, fall off the island. Yeah, no, I don't know. We've I've never encountered that, but I do know that sometimes, like in big ballrooms, if it's like for an event where it's multiple musicians and there's like there are mic'd musicians, like if it's uh, like a band and a string yeah, group are then, playing together, right. you have to mic the strings, or else why are we there? That makes sense. Right. Yeah, I could see that. But that we haven't done anything like that. We did play with the band once actually, and they did not have any microphones for us. And that, remember with Dan oh. at Howlers? Oh yeah. It was really fun, but. <laughs> I don't think you could hear us I, at all. We were there for like the visual. Did you play on stage or did you play on the floor? We were on the floor. On the okay. floor. Yeah. And I think there were actually, there was like one mic like for the four of us to share. Yeah. There was some, there was something, but it was not enough. 
Yeah. yeah. Just and, to compete with everybody who is yeah. fully <laughs> in that room. I almost would have like done the opposite. I would have had like mm-hmm. the other because like everybody's ear level. So and they're getting blasted in the face with that PA that's up yeah. there. Mm-hmm. It's like a weird sound separation thing where like mm-hmm. all of your sounds coming from down <clears> here. And then all the other sounds coming from up there yeah. and everybody's heads in the middle. So it's going to yeah. focus in one place. Yeah. It was a fun gig, but that was an example of like, we pro- we definitely needed mics or we needed to have knowledge to be able to bring our own and plug it in. We were mic'd heavily for Michael Buble. <laughs> we were, yeah, but we that had, was, we had pickups and that was a whole, another, that was different. Yeah. Like, that was like a touring. So you artist, played with yeah. Michael Buble. We yeah, we did. <laughs> okay. How that, how was, how did that go? Did they, they just like, so uh, he's on tour and I guess they just hired people for all the different cities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's That's, like a touring manager that has a hiring person and she kind of, how was, much prep did you get for that? A week, an hour. Oh, 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 we knew about the gig like a week in advance, but a week in advance, but yeah. wow, we didn't rehearse. But where was that at? Like PPG Paints <laughs> Arena. <laughs> that was very cool. Yeah. But that's awesome. Really cool. Yeah. We had like a, what we had like a two hour orchestra like run through pretty much sound check. Like here's the hard, hard spot, hard spots, hard parts. <laughs> and then Michael Buble rolled in to sing one song with us. And then that was, and then that it. was it. Yeah. We had in-ears and then pickups that they gave us. What was that like? Just pretty I've, I've never played with like, in-ears before. Overwhelming. It was, it was and exciting. Cool. It was really exciting. Yeah. But I've never played with like a mix track in my ear to such that level. I've played with click tracks before. I've played yeah. with other artists like that, but that was like the next level. And you could tell that it was like Michael Buble is the top like tier as far as taking care of his musicians as well. Oh, right? cool. Everybody was yeah. mic'd and it was very cool. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> that's a fun experience getting yeah. to do that yeah, yeah that's like our coolest gig i think so far <laughs> how long it ago was, was that last february, february. cool mm-hmm. that's awesome i just I can't <laughs> imagine being like oh next week i'm playing at ppg paints arena <laughs> i'd be freaking out like, yeah, it was yeah. Pretty so surreal. Much time to premiere <laughs> that's just where it's like you rely on your technique that you've been developing for the last 20 years and right. it's like you just you go and you do the best you can sure and if, because like you know, <laughs> like how different is the stuff that you're playing there versus other events? Um, I don't know. I mean, symphony like classical music is hard because it's written hard. for yeah. to show the virtuosic nature of all instruments. Luckily for Michael Buble and like Josh Grobe and anything else like that, it's like your fluff and like there are ornamental. some yeah, ornamental. Yeah. There are some licks that are tough, but that's like all they focus on at the sound check. It's like violins, like, look at this. Like, mm-hmm. I believe they said that, like, there's like <laughs> violins. You'll have a minute here, like take a look. And it was like <gasps> panic. And yeah. then like we ran through it and we did it two or three times. And it was like, that was it. Yeah. Cool. So it's a lot different, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> definitely that's a type of talent in a musician that it's like, that's a, that's a talent like, yeah. to be able to sit down and sight read yeah. and be fine. No, I was <laughs> talking with uh, my buddy, Sam, He's a bass player. He plays in a, a bunch of bands. He was on here. Uh, he plays in a band called Kawano Sour. I was chatting with him and the vocalist from that band. And we were talking about how a lot of the times when they play, like they'll have people just come in. Like if they have like a, a friend of theirs, that's like a horn player or a string player, somebody like if they know somebody that can play, mm-hmm. they'll be like, just come play on the show like day of. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how do you trust people to do that? And it's like, <clears> well, he's like, well, I assume that if like, you play an instrument. I can let you know, like the key that we're in, what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And if you're good at what you're doing, you could pick it up. We're not doing anything that crazy. And he just like puts that trust in the people and mm-hmm. has them come in and play with him. And it's like, 
that's insane because yeah. like, I would never trust anybody to do that. <laughs> yeah. But again, like the people like from your background just operate in a much different headspace than like all the rock and roll bozos that I've been hanging out with. <laughs> <laughs> Improvisation is pretty hard. I give, I give everybody who does improv that yeah. props because yeah, that's, that's tough. hard for yeah. me. I don't think of jamming as something that's like really fun. I think jamming is stressful. <laughs> it makes me anxious. Because I don't know what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> but that's just like classical, like you look at the music and you learn it. You but that's exactly just like what's di on the page, different schools yeah. of thought. But it's all like really talented, like high level musical abilities. So I respect everybody who can mm -hmm. do improv, like jazz musicians and stuff, rock bands. There's musical intense stuff going on on stage. You just might not notice it or realize it as yeah. much mm -hmm. as if sitting down and watching a classical musician play something. Right. So it's like different. Yeah. It, it's, it all depends on like your understanding and what you think is cool. You know, yeah. like you can watch like a, a guitar player, like shredding and getting yeah. all crazy and like, Oh wow, that's cool. But a guitar <laughs> player might be like, actually that's not that hard to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm like, Oh, that happens all the time. Um, with violin. Oh yeah. yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. stuff that looks flashy. That's just very like, Oh, whatever. Like the contestants on America's got talent who just <sighs> go and play like two notes, but they, can tap dance at the same time or something like they're way people are way more impressed by that kind of stuff than Lindsay Sterling than yeah she Lindsay like Sterling leaps I tell people oh I play the violin they're like oh, Lindsay, Lindsay Sterling, Sterling. <laughs> I don't know no. well I don't know a whole lot about Lindsay Sterling other she's than she's talented she yeah is, is she's she good. a good violin player she is yeah, she's yeah good. she is she just, she just seems no hate gimmicky, no hate but I mean like I guess you got to do something you got to do something yeah no, she's yeah, really cool she's I doing mean, well for herself she plays well and if I could leap and hop around and play violin at the same time like same you great know, I same done that. <laughs> I can't do it I guess you know she's <laughs> probably really she has to have really perfected that not making extra mic noise yeah oh, I don't true. know how know. she performs live like that's a logistical nightmare that I don't know like that would be tough mm -hmm. some like top-notch mic mounting system maybe where there's like a little bit of like a shock absorber thing so maybe. it like, doesn't pick up the unnecessary vibrations only the ones that it needs i don't know probably maybe yeah i know but she's very that cool. would be a good idea <laughs> at least she when people say violin people aren't like so oh, that's actually an interesting went down to georgia <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yeah that, that that's actually a really interesting like it's a good a good thing to like kind of like round the conversation out on would mm. be lindsey sterling's we're talking about like classical music and a pop sense and like True. she's probably one of like the very few if not the i mean like you can go to target and buy her cd yeah yeah and yeah. like you know she's pretty well known mm -hmm. so that's cool there's that yeah yeah it can't it's hard to say that it's completely dead it's not no no it's just no, it's happening not. in different ways like it's classical music is taking all different forms and that's not bad yeah we just everybody has to support like the endeavors and the efforts of those who are going and doing that so you can't get hoity-toity about it and say like, well, blah, blah. No, everybody just has to support each other with what, what they're doing. Yeah, the competition so. can get pretty cutthroat. <laughs> yeah, so we I don't we don't buy into that. So we try not to and just be supportive. But yeah. competition can be tough. And I'm sure you have that same type of yeah. level mm -hmm. in your realm of performance too. So it just, it it happens. But supportive nature is better. So I'm happy Lindsay Sterling is getting a lot of benefit because oh, yeah, people definitely. recognize the violin now <laughs> and don't just compare it with Devil Went Down to Georgia or you <laughs> yeah. know, Mozart. <laughs> yeah. They're just different degrees of appreciation, mm -hmm. I think. And mm -hmm. it's Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. <laughs> so as we as we as we round the uh the the closing here of our conversation today. Why don't you let the people out there on the internet know where they can find <laughs> radiant strings? 
You can follow our Instagram at <laughs> Radiant Strings Music mm-hmm. and YouTube. Just search Radiant Strings as the title of our mm-hmm. of our and um, Facebook. Also search Radiant Strings channel. Yeah, mm-hmm. subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. <laughs> and is there any <laughs> gigs or anything cool coming up that you want to promote? I know you mentioned before we start recording, you had something in February, which is a, a good bit off. Yeah, but other than that. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you don't know you're playing with Michael Buble until a week before, I imagine <laughs> right. it's the sort of thing where it's just like, well, surprise, something might happen. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you never know. You something never might know. happen. But it keeps us on our toes. Them and find out. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We're very, once we know what's going on, we're very vocal about it. So <laughs> <laughs> until then, we're just, we don't know. We're just, yeah. Weddings, <laughs> Christmas stuff, the usual. Mm hmm. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I Christmas guess if concerts. you're, if you're getting hitched and you need a, need a string quartet. Mm hmm. Here we are. Hey. <laughs> Hit them up. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, that's it. Thanks for coming by. Yeah, thanks really for having so us. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank I feel you. like I could chat with you more, a lot more about all of this stuff, but <laughs> yeah. you know, we have to, yeah. got to pull the plug eventually. <laughs> eventually. <laughs> but can't talk forever. Yeah. The batteries on the camera can't handle it. <laughs> and that is all folks. Thanks so much for listening. One more time, even though I already thanked you both so much for being here. Thank you again yeah, for thank being you. here. Thank you. I'll be back again in a couple days with another episode. Same time, same place, same channel. You know the drill. My name is Sykes. Start the beat 2019. Whoop, woo. Thanks for listening. Julia, Nicole, thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you. And we'll fade this out and we are done. <laughs>